0: All right, well welcome to the official change workshop. My name is Tommy, uh, I'm on staff at Mission Church, and I am joined by my lovely co-host with the beard. Oh. Co- you're my co-host.
1: Oh. Oh, I thought you were I don't my know co-host. if you knew that. But okay.
0: I, no, co-host means we're like both the hosts. Equal. Oh, okay. Yeah, except that good. I'm the host and you're the co-host, so right, my okay co-host's that. name is. That's good.
1: Yeah. Who are you? Oh, I don't know, that's a deep question. I think we're gonna get into that a little bit <laughs> Thank tonight. Thank you. That's yeah, you're welcome. Long joke. Yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, I'm, uh, my name is Jim Sheldon. I'm the executive pastor here at Mission, uh, and even uh, for those of you at Mission, you may go on like, yeah, we, we know, we kind of know who you are, why are you, <laughs> like, uh, what you may not know is uh, we literally have people that are a part of this change workshop from all around the country. Uh, and maybe all, around even the all around the it world. Around the world. It turns out. Like, Somebody
0: emailed me from France after I sent the, uh, sent the email out, and they were like, I'm probably not going to do this in the live stream because it's at 5 a.m. I was like...
1: Good reason. That's why it's on demand for yep. you. Uh, so and you the go. reason for that is because of who we are using for the content of this workshop. His name is Michael Dye, a mm-hmm. uh, friend of Mission, attends here at Mission, and has, uh, his content is being used literally all around it's the country. It's
0: all over the place. I mean, it's like hundreds and hundreds of churches running it as, as one of the most important things they do, too. I mean, it's, it's life changing stuff, it's a massive amount of content. He's been doing this for years and years. Young and spry, not saying he's. Yeah, he's, I mean, he talks about all the He's for sure he is, <laughs>
1: forgotten more than we'll ever know oh, about any of these topics. Yeah. And it's yeah. probably what's given us confidence in promoting it when yep. we've said, because I've felt like. We're telling people, literally, if uh, you're willing to change, this workshop will make you able. It's a tall order. And I think people have thought, like, you and I are going to make them able. And it's (laughs) been so helpful to go, like, no, that's above our pay grade, actually. You know, we brought in in Michael. We brought in a
0: ringer. Got a ringer. And it works perfectly. Got a ringer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we got people joining in from anywhere. Uh, Tons of people going through this on demand. Uh, And that's the greatest part about this. Like, if you're doing the live stream, if you're here right now, excellent wonderful but you might also be watching this on demand later uh, when we send around the replay and that's one of the greatest parts you can get here for the interactive part if you can and if not uh, catch it another time throughout the week and we've got even more content for everybody throughout the week too so
1: right and uh for the live stream portion of it we're going to do our best to interact with the chat right? right so while uh, when we're uh, throwing to the content, Michael Dye is going to be on video. Uh, and when we kind of throw to those things, the chat is still going to be an active place. So uh, you can know if you're live streaming. That's a place where you can ask questions. We're going to do our best to kind of get to those. Uh, there may be even questions that come up that will just kind of inform some of the things we need to talk about during the week or next yeah. week as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's why we even split up the content into uh, we've got three different segments of content throughout the hour tonight. And we broke it up specifically because also... This is a lot to digest at times. If this is your first time, like, interacting with Genesis and Michael Dye's content and and all of this, it's a lot to digest intellectually, but then it's also a lot to go, like, let me look inside of myself, too. There's a lot to do. So we're going to take some breathers, (laughs) and we're going to comment a little bit, uh, but we don't have anything, like, Extra special to say what we really want to do is help clarify things, answer questions, or probably say, "Don't worry, Michael will get to that later." That might be our answer. Yeah, pretty often.
1: And and you're not kidding. Like there is for sure a density to what Mm -hmm. Michael says, but he really puts the cookies on the bottom shelf, so to speak, because I totally get what he's saying. So that means he's really dumbed it down for someone like me to comprehend. What he's talking about? Because he's going to talk about neuroscience.
0: It's pretty tonight, awesome.
1: Which yeah. I don't. I barely knew how to pronounce it. So
0: <laughs> I'm not sure it's even a word. So we'll uh, right. we'll see if he pulls it uh, off. But all
1: joking aside, to your point, uh, as we're preparing uh, to get started here, I would highly recommend getting something to take notes with. Uh, I've as I was watching the content again today. Uh, this also may be something you want to watch multiple times, like I have and you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, take some notes because it's going to be some really good stuff that like it's going to come. Like, you're going to need to stew on a little bit it be good to come back to you.
0: yeah and honestly uh, it's not the worst thing in the world if you're multitasking doing dishes but you're gonna miss stuff like honestly if it's possible at all or if you're planning on hitting it again like you said watching it again kind of digesting multiple times uh multitasking might take away from a little bit because you got to catch it all and be like did he really just say that huh i have to deal with that a little bit because some of the stuff is uh it's a little bit like he's poking at you with some, right like a sharp a very stick. Frien- a very, very it's a friendly, friendly sharp stick.
1: Yeah, yeah, you don't know you were poked until <laughs> he's he's gone. But, yeah, that's uh, perfect. And, and just for the, for those of you that are like live streaming and wondering, like, all right, I'm here. What are the what are the things I need to know? Depending on how you're wired, you might mm-hmm. be like, that's great. Get to the things mm-hmm. I need to know. What I'm doing. Uh, we're actually going to put all the logistics at the end. So at the end of tonight, we're going to, uh, as we're wrapping up, talk about like next steps, what you can expect from us throughout the week, all of that stuff. We're going to kind of uh, circle back to you at the end. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about what we're going to jump into tonight? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Forward? Tonight, the biggest, uh, the biggest thing we're trying to do is lay the foundation for what's broken before we get to the, the hope and the good part, which we get to a little bit tonight. But for the most part, an understanding of what's broken and how it got broke, uh, is incredibly helpful. And, and the best part about this too, it, it, you're going to feel on the outset, like, wait a second, we're not talking about the, the solution yet. And yes, we'll get to the solution, but honestly, being able to understand what happened, like in my brain, in my heart, and in my whole self, and the way he talks about it in such a scientific way too, it, it really helps us all go like, how could I not be broken? And I think that that's honestly one of the most hope-filled things, because we all have this stuff where we've been made free by Jesus, and we want to learn how to live free, and we just can't so often. uh, We don't feel like we have the right tools, Uh, but knowing that the tools are there because somebody actually understands what's broken in the first place is unbelievably helpful. So that's what we're going to start off with. Uh, This first clip, we're going to throw to it right now. Make sure you got your pen and paper ready. Uh, You're ready to take notes. We're going to do this first clip, and it's all about laying that foundation of what's broken. So here we go. Session one begins with Michael Dye talking about
2: the Genesis process. Here we go. Hi, I'm Michael Dye. I'm the author of The Genesis Process. I'm here with a group of friends and to discuss you know, how we can help people change. Okay. Uh, my name is Taylor, and I heard today we were talking about um, what's
3: broken inside of us. And so I'm grateful that I was one of the most broken people you thought of and get to be here and listen and learn today.
4: And I'm Ruth, and I get to be here because I'm good friends with Michael's better half and I'm just super privileged to uh, get to learn from you
3: yeah my name is Mike and I'm just honored uh, you know when God crossed our paths at mission being able to hang out and and, and challenge each other and learn from each other and the way that you're going to serve us today and serve so many people and I've got so much to learn through this process I'm just super grateful and
2: excited uh, for how this is going to help people thank you in this first session, we're going to talk about the mystery of why we do the very things we don't want to do. You know what's broken and why we get stuck. Then the next three sessions, we're going to talk about what it takes to change and really heal. You know to get us free from the things we've struggled with, and especially the things that are secrets in our lives. Okay? But before I start, I want to tell you a little bit about the genesis of Genesis. You know, um, I've been at this for 50 years. I've always had a interest and a passion for the mystery of human behavior you know humans are such a mystery they're out of sync with everything else in the universe and i couldn't understand why 40 years of that as a christian but when kathy and i first uh started out you know when i became a christian that we got involved in all sorts of 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 ministries because we had a heart to help wounded people, right? So we went into convalescent homes, we went into to uh, 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 mental hospitals, we started a soup kitchen and a coffee house for mentally ill street people. Uh, I came up with a. a a technique to deprogram people that had been in the cults, and like I was in the '60s, and we went to New Age witchcraft fairs. Um, we had a tent that held 600 people. We went around trying to do evangelism in different towns, create unity in churches. But mostly, we got involved with drug and alcohol rehabs. But the thing we discovered that all these things had, all these people had something in common. They all had become somebody they didn't want to become, and they had got themselves someplace they didn't want to go. And they wanted to change, but they weren't able to change. Okay? So fast forward 20 years, <laughs> two decades, okay? I was, became the director of the Santa Barbara Rescue Mission. And uh, of course, the rescue missions are dealing with the most progressive of this disease of addiction. Right? And so we were in a staff meeting one day. And we were all going. A lot of people were relapsing. When I first went there, it was only about less than a two percent recovery rate. So we were trying to find out, you know, why we're so unsuccessful. And so you know, we're going around, and people would relapse. We go, well, that guy just wasn't serious. You know, he didn't discipline. He needs another take a lap out of around the barn. Our favorite one as Christians, where the reason he didn't make it is he just doesn't have enough faith. Right? And so you know, just go out and get some more and come back. Right? And and I felt like God spoke to me. He says, Michael, he says, it's my job to make people willing to change, but they come to you to make them able to change. So that changed everything. When I started feeling responsible for these people that God had made them willing to change, and you know what, unfortunately, as human beings, what makes us willing to change is pain. When the pain of a behavior gets to be greater than the pain and fear of giving up a behavior then and only then will we begin to change and that's god's job with you know circumstances like the prodigal son kind of guy you know don't want to intervene in that and god doing something right we don't want to rescue them okay and and so that changed the way that i looked at these relapse and i started studying them to find out you know why people who wanted to change weren't able to change yeah,
3: and I feel like, maybe talk to a little bit, I think as Christians, we sometimes try to remove, or not even Christians, people that are in pain in our life, we are trying to remove that pain because we don't want them to feel discomfort. And God's like, no, no, I, sometimes pain is a great motivator, and I need them to feel this pain, but we're trying to remove
2: the pain. We're going to get into that. Okay, all right. Okay. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And how we sabotage things that God's doing. Okay. So... Um, so that's where the first genesis process really got written for rehab prevention. And I started studying the brain and behavior and all that. Anyway, to make a long story short, the first 50 clients we took through the clinical t- published trials that our recovery rates went from 2% to 68.5%. And I was, what a, what's that? A 3,000% increase. And the, and the agencies that are using this process now, you know, that are mostly rescue missions, right? Their recovery rates are in the 75 percentile, okay? Which is amazing, dealing with the people that have come to the rescue mission. Because if you don't make it to the rescue mission, that's the bottom rung of the ladder. You know? So these are the most you know, stubborn of the disease. So let's, let's look at this, this mystery of self-destructive behavior. Um, of course, the first thing we have to look at is that uh, AA starts out with, you know, that we have come to a place where we're powerless over that. In other words, if there's not a power greater than myself that can come in and give me a strength that I don't have to overcome this this shameful, destructive, painful behavior that I'm in, then I have no hope. See? So that's one of the, the premises of change. If I could have changed by myself, I would have. Yeah. Okay. So Let's look at Paul, okay? So Paul, I love this scripture because it helps us in recovery so much. He says, I'm just going to paraphrase it, that Paul says, in my mind, I serve the law of God. In my intentions, I want to do what's right, okay? But in my behavior, I keep doing the very thing I don't want to do. So his conclusion is, if I'm doing the very thing I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. It's sin in me course if he came today and said you know it wasn't me that relapsed last night we'd say well you know you're in denial you know go back when you can get honest right but uh, but especially as christians we put our faith our strength in people being able to change with like paul and paul had some of the strongest human attributes to overcome sin he had tremendous willpower Right, he had discipline. Well, he came out of the school of Gamaliel, which was like the Green Berets of the Pharisees. You know, very strict, very disciplined. Right, uh, and he, of course he was intelligent. He wrote the book of Romans. You know, which is in, in, big IQ kind of book. Right, and and he had good intentions, which we all know where those lead to us. Okay? But the other thing is, Paul had tremendous faith, and yet all these powerful things weren't. He wasn't able to overcome this, doing the very thing he didn't want to do. And so, um, if if Paul if these things didn't work for Paul, then what's a hope for us? Well, what Paul is saying is, there's, it's a mystery. There's something in me that's more powerful than the me I'm aware of that causes me to do the very things I don't want to do. You know, which is he calls. You know, sin. And of course, psychology for the last 150 years have discovered this and they call it the subconscious. So anything they don't understand, it's the subconscious. And they've been trying for all that time to try and, you know, get to the subconscious and reprogram it so it doesn't keep us from sabotaging our attempts at success in life. So, first let's look at some definition of terms. Sobriety which sometimes a lot of people get confused with recovery, is just simply to abstain from addictive behavior. And you have to do that in order to begin the process of of recovery. And that's what Kathy and I, you know, unfortunately were led to. We had a heart for wounded people. But then like almost anybody in that kind of a a burden of ministry, that wounded people are, are also addicted people. Because they're in pain, and, and the way they've coped with that pain has become habitual, right? And they've become powerless over it.
3: Yeah, one of the things that I think, I think we're all in recovery, uh, it's from sin. So it's, well, we'll so,
2: find out. Yeah. Uh,
3: but but one of the things I'm navigating is, I like from my friends, that I want people to fight for sobriety, to be sober-minded first before right. we can even take steps. And so I think some
2: people are trying to help people.
3: But they aren't fighting for sobriety yet.
2: So yeah. Right. No, you gotta be sober in order to be able to get into recovery. We'll talk about that in a second. So how many of you out there are addicts? I mean, you're addicts, right? You know? You want to do this? Maybe five people in the audience raise their hand. Well, let's look at that. You know, my definition of addiction, I like, well, of course I like it because I made it up. But (laughs) it's to continue to do a self-destructive behavior in spite of the consequences. So if you're doing something that you know is not good for you, why don't you just stop it? So how many of you don't do anything that's not good for you? Nobody raised their hand. So if you're doing something that's not good for you, why don't you stop? That's insane, isn't it? Why would we do that? Well, it's because it's there as a coping behavior for something. Okay? It's there to cope with something in your life, in the past usually, and now that coping behavior has come to rule your life. So so how many of you are addicts? How many of you don't do anything that's not good for you? So how many of you are addicts? There we go. <laughs> you see? <laughs> so that's the beginning, isn't it, of change, is is to ask the right questions and and begin the process of of exploring uh, change. And a lot of people don't explore change because they've lost hope that it's possible. Yep. Okay. And then, of course, recovery is a word that a lot of people use for sobriety, but the word itself, the, defini- the dictionary definition of it is just simply to return to a former healthy state. Who you were before you were hurt by yourself and others. See? It's not to become a new person. It's become the person you were to recover too so it's like you get hit by a truck you don't try to become a new person you try to recover to be the person you were before the truck hits you and of course a lot of us in our early childhood you know we grew up on the freeway and you know two would miss us and three would hit us you know and 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 so we're trying to become the person we were before we got wounded betrayed and set up coping uh, systems, both you know, uh, psychologically and physically, uh, mentally, in order to you know uh, cope with the wounds that we have. Okay? So it's a uh, uh, so the process of recovery, of returning to a former healthy state, is actually healing, and identifying your fears. And anytime you're wounded, of course, you have a fear of whatever wounded you before, right? And these fears are actually what the Bible calls heart wounds, okay? And then being able to move towards resolving them with accountability and support. That's recovery. Like you say, if you could have changed by yourself, you would have changed. So the first part is sobriety, and then you're trying to get into a system, which is an intentionally focused system or group that is, has the skills, the ability, the, the knowledge, understanding to actually understand and cope with your problem, okay? And that brings something we call hope, okay? And hope, and we have a whole formula for hope, but, you know, hope is very important because neurochemically, hope raises endorphins in the brain, okay? And endorphins give you the ability to take a risk, see? And, of course, getting in recovery, identifying your wounds and fears is a risk, see? And, you know, and that's what we're going to be talking about mostly because you can't do that alone, Uh, Michael, so looking at your definition of addiction, it kind of opens it up where everybody is addicted because I would hear the word addiction and not consider myself an addict.
3: But then hearing that makes me be like, shoot, that's me too, Um, which is kind of scary for me. You're like, oh, snap, I need to be working on this myself.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's important because while we're doing these things, it really blocks us from being able to move on in life. And a lot of them become so habitual that they're unconscious. We don't even know we're doing it. So, but change begins, okay, not from getting new information. It begins actually from asking the right question.
1: All right, so we're going to stop right here for a second and uh, just process some of this information. Like it's like plenty. I said, yeah, like I <laughs> said earlier, hopefully you're writing some of this stuff down because because uh, I, I did. I'm like, there's so many things that stood out uh, to me. Like I'd, I mentioned this in the chat, like I'd love... Uh, the definition of the terms. Mm-hmm. Like, one, just anytime mm-hmm. you're having this kind of conversation, it's at least helpful to understand how we are defining things that we're talking about. Yep. Uh, so, the way that he talks about sobriety, recovery, addiction, and the recovery process is so, so helpful. So, mm-hmm. uh, there's one of the questions in the chat. Uh, Tony, you asked, um, Is it practical to replace unhealthy addictions with healthy addictions? Uh, and this is where I'm like, That's such a great question. And it's something that I've I've tried to do in my own life. And I would say, like, the thing that ultimately Michael's getting at is to go, the, the goal is to not be addicted, uh, mm. healthy or unhealthy. Uh, n- that's kind of sobriety is like just changing behaviors. Which but, is totally necessary,
0: too. Like, right. I love what they talked about of having to be sober to enter into recovery, right. begin the process. Even the definition but.
1: of reco- recovery is defer- to uh, return to a former healthy state mm-hmm. is, a, is a good definition and uh, as Christians you may be wondering if you're a believer you may be going well Mm -hmm. what about when Paul says the old is gone the new is coming he's going to get to that so Mm -hmm. um, but especially in terms of like what we're talking about uh, because he even you know says it's like recovering from the wounds Mm -hmm. uh, that you were given so there's this idea that there was a time before you were hurt Mm -hmm. uh, and recovering to that state Uh, yeah and
0: it's also not the most like cut and dry. Like I'm this person today and then somebody hurt my feelings this day and then I'm going to get back to this day. Uh, It doesn't look like that because even when we start talking about wounds, I mean, we're going back to day one of life. So (laughs) where where am I recovering to? It's a great question. So it's more of a concept, less of a like, I want to be that guy because I also want to be a I wanna be a better guy than that guy, too. Right. I don't wanna just go back to that guy. Right, and, and what's,
1: so. what's amazing about like where we're going that I'm really excited about is yep. this broader definition of addiction yep. beyond the normal, what secularly we would all say is like substance uh, or behavior driven, that he even goes down the path of like feelings can be addictive, like you talked about anxiety, and we kind of like read your mail, like we were joking, and I'm just gonna out you, we talked about how, like (laughs) your addiction to anxiety, because we kind of all have it. Uh. If you don't think you do, if you like to be late somewhere, Mm. you're addicted to anxiety. so good. Because it's the anxiety of being late or walking early, it's actually feeding like a chemical release in your body, which is mind blowing, so like, going to an airport recently, you were like, which you're so planned and organized, (laughs) So this you're is, running late, and I'm like, "This doesn't make sense." And you're like, "Oh no, I'm totally addic- addicted to the anxiety this those, was those This was rush. perfect.
0: This was the perfect the plan. plan. <laughs> I love it. Everybody was like, "Well, we could get there, you know, an hour and a half earlier." I was like, "That sounds like we'll sit down on a chair for 30 minutes. Why would we do that? Let's right. just it's keep boring. It. Where's the Let's always be walking. walking
1: right? <laughs> yeah. So I it's know, g- yeah. it is a, a good like I think to broaden our definition, especially as believers, mm-hmm. uh, to what we're trying to really address here are the things that are inhibiting. Uh, inhibiting our growth. So uh, we're going to keep rolling yep. here in a second. Do you have anything else you want to add?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. I, uh, I say that and then I look at my notes to see. I literally took notes on my notes. So I have pre-written notes <laughs> and I just took notes over them because this is all so helpful, like to internalize it all. Um, I do want to say that as we talk about these heart wounds, JOMO, whoever you are, Betty White, that hurt. I, I can't even do it. I can't get any lower. This is as low yeah, as I can hurtful, talk. It was hurtful,
1: but it was true. Um, so like, so maybe that's just what I needed to hear.
0: I don't know. It, so so anyway. real
1: quick, one, one of the questions that I see here uh, before we jump into the next video is if you yep. were wounded as a child, how do you even go, go back to that place right. of innocence? Right, right, and right. that is such a good question. And honestly, Michael's going to kind of scratch the surface of that a little bit tonight. Right. Uh, next week, we're going to get into the limbic system. It's uh, too deep. Dive. Actually, just yeah. to to uh, to get ahead a little bit. Yeah. When we recorded this session, I watched our three panelists on stage be led to a moment. Each of them individually, specifically about their childhood, in a way that I don't think they were ready for. Well, that uh, they didn't. And that's coming. That might be week remember. three. Yeah, one of them that, didn't
0: so. even remember it until it. Ha- it was. It was crazy. So that that'll be week three. But it's. uh yep. Yes, there's, we're gonna get that's there. That's a big conversation. You're on the right track. We don't have an answer right now. Yeah, it's but gonna be we'll slower. Spend the next it's five sl- weeks slower than you want. It, slower so. than you want, but it's gonna be great. That's the idea.
1: Uh, so at the end of this last clip, uh, Michael said like it's actually less about information and it's more about the questions that you're starting to ask. So as we jump yeah. into this next section of the video, uh, he's gonna start um, asking some different questions because he says that change begins from uh, asking. Uh, different types of questions, asking the right questions. So here in this section, Michael's going to unpack a number of the different questions that they're learning to ask in the Genesis process. So check this out.
2: And the question that started out with Genesis is that why are we the only creatures in the observable universe that will continue to do a self-destructive behavior in spite of the consequences, right? Even a mouse is smarter than that, you see? A mouse, you know, who will eat some poison, but the other mouse, mouses, mouses <laughs> <mice's>, <laughs> will learn from it, okay? And they won't do it, no matter how good it tastes. But we will continue to okay, overeat, overwork, overdrink and drug, over-stress, over sex ourselves, even to the point of death and not stop. And like I say, everything else doesn't do that. They learn, and they won't do things that, are, that cause pain, see? But we will continue to do these things because, like Paul said, there's a mystery in me. There's something in me that's stronger than me, right? The weird thing is, especially in the United States here, the easier we have it and the more affluent we are, the more self-destructive we, we are. We have it easier than any society that has ever had. We have, you know, stores full of food. You know, we have lights and heat and cars and 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 all these things, right? But we're only 4.5% of the world's population, and we use 80% of the world's painkillers. We use 90% of Vicodin hydrocodone, okay? We are now the most obese country in the world. We have more people in prison, in jails, per capita, than any other country in the, in the world. So, what is it? You know, that doesn't make sense, does it? The easier we have it, the less self-destructive, you know, we we we, we should be. Okay. So, let's look at the mystery of this. So, one of the things that has to be answered, especially with Christians, because it's a big controversial, you know, uh, idea, is that. Is addiction a sin or a disease? Well, James kind of talked about the neurochemistry of addiction 2,000 years ago. He says, let no one say when he is tempted that I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. So is lust a sin? Most people, when I do this, they say, yeah, lust is a sin. But lust is not a sin. Lust is just a strong desire for something. So uh, uh, the, the same word is used throughout Scripture for, you know, for good desires, a strong desire, and for negative desires. But we've equated it with sin. But what happens here is we're all tempted every day, okay? Especially now with the epidemic of sexual temptation. So what happens, you say I see a a girl walking down the beach in these little thong things that they're doing right now, okay? And I, you know, look at that, okay? But that's a temptation, okay? But if I dwell on it, the temptation becomes an emotion, okay? Which is called which is called lust, okay? And then, which is a bad choice. I made a bad choice. So this is where the battle is, is fought, in the mind, you know? And Paul talks a lot about renewing the mind and, you know, and, and, And how our thoughts lead us into places that we don't want to go. And so, then it says, "When lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin." So now that I look at the girl, right, and then I I start to, you know, have this emotion, you know, this craving, this strong desire, then it makes me powerless to a certain degree, and then I'm going to act out. So now that I've acted out, okay, then. I'm gonna do something what is called sin, what's an action, right? And then what he says is a sin is accomplished, it brings forth disease. So what happens with addiction is when we take when we do behaviors or take substances in our body, what organ does it change? It changes the brain. You see? So the brain becomes diseased. And what it what it does is is, uh, addiction, is ad, adult, uh, okay. addiction is a result of sin, a diseased brain that causes strong false cravings for non-survival behaviors and substances. For example, how we look at this, is smoking a sin? Well, James says he knows the right thing to do and does it not to him is a sin. So does anybody think smoking is, is a good thing to do? No, but is lung cancer a sin? You see, it's the results of sin. So, like I say, when you take, you know, behaviors and substance into your brain, that changes the way you feel, right? Then your brain becomes disease, and now it creates a unique emotion called a craving, okay, for things that are bad for us. You see, so it's the result of making a lot of bad choices and now our brain equates those choices with being able to function and feel normal and survive and it creates this unique emotion called a craving so that's one of the premises of genesis if you can change the brain and what it believes it needs to survive and it doesn't create a craving then you can prevent relapse so it it, it it's a unique emotion craving that only has to do with real or imagined survival and that's the part of us that takes takes us over and we become powerless over okay so uh now one of the arguments to this is that well cancer is a disease and you can't just choose to stop it but you know addiction is a disease is not a disease because you can just choose to stop it well yeah you can choose to stop the behavior but you can't choose not to be addicted. So people, once their brains become distorted, okay, if they go back and start drinking again, you know, their addiction is still there. It's a disease. Okay? You can keep it in remission. And that's a lot of what we do in Genesis. There are things you can do to keep this craving disease in remission. And there are definitely things you can do to reactivate it.
3: Yeah, and that keeps going back to like the Romans 7 language. Like, there is this battle going on inside of us constantly between who we want to be and then that nature in us that's at a war. So, to think that you're going to be, you're just going to, you know, you're going to just get over this sin issue. Right. For your, You're going to be battling it your whole life, you know, well, but there's hope for it.
2: Well, if addiction's a sin, then what's the cure for it? Repentance. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so, I know sex addicts that have repented a thousand times, you know, yeah. and, but it's more complicated than that, That's the first step, though, is the pain that's causing God convicting us and circumstances and guilt and all that, and that pain is causing us to want to change, see? And then they come to us as an agency or a person, you know, and trying, you know, with the church or, you know, a recovery agency, you know, are you able to make me able to change? Do you understand what I'm going through. And you have the program, you have the, the understanding, the education, you know, that can make me change. And that gives me hope. And hope gives me the ability to take a risk to, to be vulnerable with my sin and my secrets, you see, and only because now I trust you. And that's why we say in our books, you know, it takes two things for an agency or a person to be safe for wounded people to reveal their shame and their secrets. It takes grace that you're not going to pharisaicalize me and judge me, right? But it also takes competency. I'm not going to reveal my secrets unless I think you have, like I say, the knowledge, the education, uh, the understanding, and a program that I see is working, see? And this is really what works, because the best evangelism is a changed life. Yeah. That, that's so good.
3: Like And you may, we may want to like just go back and like listen to that last two minutes over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. that's really, really good. Thanks.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, it's going to get a little bit better here, okay? So <laughs> we haven't got into the good stuff yet. <laughs> okay, this is just a pre you know, kind of thing. Okay, so the pre-relapsed brain, as arousal goes up, okay, arousal, which is like craving, you know, any kind of thing that speeds up the body, Okay. So one of the things with addiction, and we'll get into it in one of the later ones, is anything that speeds up your body dulls the awareness of physical and emotional pain. So probably we'll get into it you know, in one of the other sessions, but just give you a preview. One of the things that we're most addicted to in our society is anxiety. And we, that's how Genesis, we treat anxiety as a symptom. It's addiction. It's an addiction because it gives you energy say see just an anxiety in the brain is almost identical to cocaine yeah? yeah so um but anyway as arousal goes up our ability to see and solve problems and consider consequences goes down and this is the thing about relapse as this the survival brain which we call the limbic system we'll get into begins to go up, it shuts down our prefrontal cortex, which is our morals or value, what Paul talks about in my mind, I want to serve the law of God. Well, that begins to shut down. And one of the unique things about it, because it has to do with survival, it, it shuts out anything that would interfere with what it believes you need to do. Okay. And one of the parts that shuts down is being able to see consequences. You know, if I relapse and do this again, it's going to hurt my wife, you know, and my job and hurt my body. All that's not available to me. And so that's part of what we, you know, want to do in recovery is take responsibility for this and not letting this arousal get to a place where we're powerless and do the very thing we don't want to do. And once again, you, you can't do that by yourself because you can't see it, it's subconscious. But other people around you can see it. And that's why AA and, and NA work, you see? Because people go there and they, and they see, oh, that's just like me, you see? And it brings it down. And, um, okay, so love, desire, lust, passion, anger, frustration, fear, anxiety, stress, sadness, depression, uh, despair, you know, hatred, loneliness, cravings of all kinds. Can create an arousal where it will shut down all our good intentions and morals and values and just make us do the very thing we don't want to do. Craving is a survival emotion that you can't say no to for very long. It will wear you down and has ingenious systems in your brain to make you do what it believes you need to do to survive, no matter how bad that is for you. Okay? So, uh, and of course, you know, as arousal goes up, you know, our higher cortex, our morals, values, and all our plans and everything are things that makes us human, you know, that gives us free will, okay? and, and we make choices where, you know, good and evil and being kind and all that begins to shut down. Okay? So, uh, it's all about the heart, okay?
1: Man. That's so good. I've, I've put this on repeat actually several
0: times because I feel like I try and repeat it all back to myself and then I get mixed up somewhere. I'm like, shoot, I have to learn it again <laughs> because it's so helpful. It, well, and honestly, it's so helpful for me because now I can say it's my brain's fault. It's not my fault.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. And it's so easy that's that way. Absolutely. No, Reject but, uh, passivity, accept responsibility. That's exactly what I'm doing. It's but perfect. Exactly.
0: So, no, but honestly, like knowing that there's there's something that happens, that it's not just like, well, you suck. Like, well, if that's the explanation, then I'm I'm a goner. Like, that's terrible. I don't know what to do about that because clearly I can't stop right. being bad. Uh, but, like, knowing that there's something that happens in my brain that shuts down my brain, I'm like, that's exactly how that right. feels, well, actually. Well, so.
1: a couple of things. Like, one, just, again, as a believer, it's fascinating just to even hear him explain how science is pointing back to improving what Paul was saying 2,000 years ago, right, right. it's like we're explaining what he was describing with science, which is amazing. Uh, but like we said at the beginning, and I hopefully, hopefully you're experiencing this as you're listening to this, he, these are really complex uh, ideas around neuroscience yep. that feel so intuitive when he's describing them, because I'm just like, he's describing my process. He's mm-hmm. describing my behavior, and you could take whatever that behavior is and just fill in the blank and it's the same process
0: which is is helpful too when you start thinking about anxiety and and depression and sadness and, and all these things that have clinical diagnoses too so it's really weird I don't know if you feel this and maybe I'm introducing this tension but it feels weird to call anxiety I know people who have clinical anxiety it's weird to call it like well you're addicted to that like well I but also remember our addiction definition. It's just something that I continue to do in spite of the circumstances. And also my prefrontal cortex shuts down. Also because I was wounded, it really takes the pressure off. It takes the heat off. And it's now something I just need to be healed from and not something I just need to fix so that I'm a better man, Christian. Right. Well the the whole
1: the whole like beginning of the Genesis process and and Michael's conviction around this was uh, helping us understand that it's mm-hmm. uh, if if I'm an addict and I can't get well, it's not the addict's fault. It's not that I don't want It's not that I'm not trying hard right. enough. It's not that I don't have faith. Uh, there may be a competency gap. Like I may be lacking the skills to actually right. put into place the desire to recover and be well. Uh, and yeah. so that's so refreshing. One to know like that there is hope connected to. Mm -hmm. competency. And I I love when he walks through that whole progression of like pain, the desire to change, ability Mm -hmm. to change, uh, which creates hope when we encounter someone that we think will make us able Mm -hmm. to change, which allows us to take a risk, to be vulnerable, to trust uh, people with our sin and secrets if they feel like grace-filled and competent to help us. Like that is so, so good. And for all of us as believers, I think it reinforces the need for us to be safe people, that we can be in relationship to be trustworthy in those set, in those settings for people right. around us to be vulnerable,
0: which is incredible guidance when it comes to like I I don't want to just live free I want to help set others free too and I want to be that kind of person and that kind of friend uh, and and knowing that that's what it takes and it always takes both I can't just come in and be like well look I'm gonna I'm gonna make you able. I'm not going to be safe about it. Well, then I'm not going to be able to make you able because it takes both. I right. Mean, that well, at the same time,
1: like if you're wired like me, I'm a little skeptical when someone comes in and goes like, yeah, I got your fix. I can sol- I can fix you here. <laughs> I can solve you. I'm enough of a like, yeah, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, that's but it's not, it does, it's not so with him. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to keep rolling because there is more content here that we want to jump into. But he ended that last section by saying that it ultimately is – all about the heart, Mm -hmm. uh, which again, just the progression of like the Christian view here is so good, and so I'm uh, really excited for this next next section as Michael unpacks what that means, that it's all about the
2: heart, so check this out. The Bible I read the other day, the heart is listed there 826 times, okay? So when you think about the heart, what do you think about? You know, what comes to mind? love love right valentine's day right things like that right what about all country western music there wouldn't be anything you know my girl left me and my horse died and
3: no you you just listen to it backwards and you're not addicted and you get friends and you have a good truck and you have a great relationship you're fine (laughs)
2: that's right that's right okay so then what does it say what does jesus say about the heart
4: deceitful above all things and desperately, desperately wicked. <laughs> wicked
2: and deceitful and you know and but yet that's where he wants to be isn't it okay. so let's look at the scripture on this and this is one of the things that really changed my ability to help people with this understanding it says the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we are preaching that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, For with a heart, a person believes resulting in righteousness. And what is righteousness? The way you behave. right? Okay. And with a mouth confesses, resulting in salvation. Okay? So, what does he tell us there? If you want to change your behavior or your sin, you have to change your heart. And and what do you have to change in your heart? It's where our beliefs are, okay? So our beliefs are in our heart and they result in how we act. So if you wanna change, what do you, have to, what do you have to change? The beliefs that are in your heart, but they're not conscious, they're unconscious, okay? So uh, so if you wanna change your behaviors, you have to change your heart, okay? so. The way this works, you know, briefly, the Old Testament, we tried to change our be- behavior and our sin by following all the rules, right? If you did all the rules, you know, which is basically what religious tells us, if you follow the rules, then God will hear your prayers and bless you. Well, Jesus came with a whole new system, so you can see why it ticked the, the Pharisees off, because, you know, it disrupted their whole system. We call them a change agent, right? And... and so he says, no, I want you to come to me just like you are. I don't care how screwed up you are. I don't care if you're high. I don't care if you, you know, you just sinned and used, whatever. Come to me just like you are. And I'm going to come into what? Your heart. And I'm going to begin to change your belief systems, okay? Which is the core of what's causing you to act this way. And as I change your belief systems, then I'm going to begin to set you free from the behaviors that they're creating. So, that's kind of the neurobiology of being born again. That's why it works. So, the heart is is, is an interesting place, right? You know, we, you know, we use it all the time, but we don't really know what we're talking about. We talk about soul, spirit, mind, heart. What are we talking about? Where are those things? You know, what do they do? How do they interact with each other? We use the terms all the time. But, you know, until now, you know, we really haven't. Had you know the insight of what these things are. So let's look at the heart. Okay, the heart is basically the limbic system in the brain. Once Dr. Avon's work started coming out, all well, the brain scans and showing which part of the brain had to do with what kind of behaviors and emotions. Right. That we found that the limbic system is probably has about eighty percent or ninety percent of all the things we attribute to the heart so the limbic system controls experiential memory and that's very important It's not memory in words it's memory in experiences okay it, it, it controls our emotions uh, our reactions to new experiences like you know if a dog bit you now you, all of a sudden the limbic system says oh be afraid of dogs so you know be vigilant you know until you have new experiences with god with dogs and uh and then it'll begin to calm down, you see? So uh, it controls our attention, like ADD and ADHD stuff, that's dopamine, pleasure and reward, arousal, okay? Experiences, unconscious learning and dreaming, and the expression of emotional, motivational, sexual and social behavior, including the formation of loving attachments, okay? And the limbic system also controls cravings, Okay, (laughs) this is is important, okay, for pleasure-inducing drugs, food, sex, gambling, and other real or imagined survival needs. And its main responses, okay, which we'll get into in a little while, are fight, fight, and freeze, are anger, fear, and numbness. That's the survival emotions, you know, that that the limbic system is in charge of, okay? So... The heart, the limbic system, doesn't have a sense of time, okay? It, it only records experiences, and the hard part of it is most of the experiences that are controlling us now are happening in the first two years of life, and especially in the first nine months of life. We'll get to that in a minute, okay? It, so the mind will replay what the heart cannot delete Maybe you want to stop the video or whatever when you're watching this and think about that. So my mind is constantly trying to bring these things forward that are these wounds and these pains and resentments and fears, okay? Because it wants me to resolve it. Okay. So PTSD is that way. People have PTSD. The mind keeps replaying these horrible experiences because it wants to find a place to categorize and put it away and move on. See? So when these unconscious, you know, survival fears and pains and everything you know are unresolved okay then the mind keeps trying to bring them up but that's painful so how do we push it back out of our awareness okay you know these things that god has set us up to want to resolve so this is hard nothing goes away until it's resolved
4: So this is bringing up um, this is trauma, then, is that stored also in the limbic yes. part of your brain? Yeah. And so, Subconscious. And a, and a lot of times you hear, you know, you're a new creation in Christ, the old is past, the new has come. And so there's kind of been an encouragement in the church to forget it. Yeah. And then it's not resolved. You still have these behaviors. Right. And so even those like you said, what happens in the first two years, right. you can't remember most of it.
2: We're gonna to get to that in a minute. Yeah. Okay. 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 So nothing goes away until it's resolved. Okay. And and that's important because one of the things that we say is time heals all wounds. Mm-hmm. No? Time only gives you time to resolve it.
0: Time only gives you time to resolve it that is probably my favorite thing he says because you hear that too often and it's always well-intentioned and I've said it to go like no but you know time is going to be really helpful like yeah, because it's going to give me more time to deal with it and just even knowing that again it's it's neuroscience like why that happens is because my limbic system has no sense of time it's impossible for time to just Heal the wound on my limbic system. Like, that's really helpful for me. And I think it's really helpful even what what Ruth said, knowing that, like, walking into a situation, too, with somebody else, and and saying, but you're a new creation that's behind you. Like, no, you're a new creation, therefore God is with you, and now you can go back. (laughs) You can go back into the mess and be safe. Like, that's a lot different to know that now God is with me so I can go back and heal, not God is with me so I can forget it because I just can't, he didn't build me that way. That's that's my big, I just right. need to say that well, loud. no,
1: loud. Exactly, the the issue is I think a lot of us hope that time will heal all wounds. Mm-hmm. And so the further we get from whatever it is that caused us pain in our past, uh, the, our hope is that it will just get better. Yep. And when he said, that, like the mind will replay what the heart cannot delete. Seriously. That nothing goes <laughs> away unless it's resolved. Yep. Like that's, I, I'm not so, I'm, that's my story. I'm like, I can, yes, I just keep replaying in my mind like over and over, it doesn't go away right. until it's resolved. I, I think one of the core things that he's getting at here too is how our beliefs drive our actions, mm-hmm. which man, so many of my failed change attempts have been trying to change my actions without address, addressing my beliefs uh, at all or my emotions that are under uh, those beliefs, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've watched this play out as a dad. I've talked about this around mission. You may have heard this story before, but like that's Dallas Willard talks a little bit about this too. And we and we chase down symptoms. Mm-hmm. So like uh, anger and frustration. Like those are if I'm more the if I'm more easily. Uh, Frustrated—that's a sign for me in my spirit yep. uh, that I'm I'm heading towards an unhealthy place, or that mm. I'm I'm disconnected from God, or there's some stuff going on. So that usually shows up when I get home, and, and I've got four. And, uh, especially when my boys were younger, I've got eight yep. and twelve-year-old boys. Uh, but kids have a way of um, showing you how little control you have. <laughs> I don't know if you know that or not. Um, they're but perfectly they, designed. They for had it a actually, tendency yeah. to not obey me. Um and so this was like Clearly you got the wrong kids. Well you didn't return them? Look, I uh, yeah, no, I got the the right kids. Ironically, they're like me, and this is probably (laughs) even part of the problem. But so I had to learn like why would I get so easily irritated when people at home just wouldn't do what I said. But I have so much more grace and patience with people outside of my home when Mm. I'm working with them or in relationship with them. Uh I'm showing more grace there. And I had to really chase down for me internally that ultimately I believed that if my boys were disobedient to me or talked back, it was it was a reflection that I was a bad parent. There it is. And so my belief was that I was I was not measuring up as a good parent. Right. And I didn't know how to respond to really the issues that were going on, so I would just try to control get fresh. Anyway, this yep. is not my therapy session, but
0: Hey, but it could be. Honestly. <laughs> oh, I was about to say like You can deal
1: it, with your cocaine, I mean, anxiety addiction and all. And apparently they're the same. So that issues. was a learning. Yeah.
0: Um There you go, note (laughs) to self. Don't try cocaine, it'll probably feel familiar.
1: Um, (laughs) This has gone too far. That's the reason to not do
0: it. That's (laughs) the reason reason to not not do it. (laughs) It'll remind me of my anxiety. Um, Yeah, honestly, the the funny thing is that you said like, I treat these other people better than I treat my kids because of that, if we're being vulnerable. My wife literally, my wife and I worked together for a while on staff at Mission, and she literally said to me once, I really need you to treat me more like one of your coworkers
1: sometimes. And I went, oh, you were like, I just need you to perform like one of them. Yeah, maybe if
0: you pull your weight around here. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Lauren, if you're watching, I'm Uh, sorry.
0: Which she is. (laughs) Um, No, but honestly, that was so helpful because it was like, well, clearly something's happening here. Because it's different. Like clearly, you, I, I'm, you're tapping into a, a deep fear of mine, and that, it's so helpful when you realize that because then it's something you can tackle together too. Especially in relationship, right. like this plays out. My anger or my anxiety or whatever these things—they all have effects on other people. And so this isn't just like, well, my addiction is mine, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, my addiction affects every single person connected to me, and. It, knowing that it's really helpful to to know that when i start going after the root cause and the thought or belief system it's a it means we can work on it together yep. like it's not like well i'll fix this and then you'll be better off for it it's like well now we can understand this together and move toward it together and that builds our relationship too yeah. even more which is yeah. awesome
1: So hey, we've got like five-ish minutes left. We're probably gonna go two or three minutes long tonight uh, because we want to go over some logistics. Mm -hmm. And man, if you're at all like me, there's been a ton of content that we just threw at you. Uh, So being able to watch on demand will be super helpful. So Tommy, you want to explain what they can expect uh, tomorrow, that will help them uh, know how to take next steps and engage with some of the content? Yeah,
0: so uh, like we said, all of this is going to be available on demand. So we wanted to make it so that you didn't have to be at this live stream. Um, so, what we're doing, we're recording this, uh, and what we're going to do is uh, get it up on YouTube uh, tonight. So, tomorrow morning in your inbox with whatever email you signed up with, uh, you will see a link to something called a growth plan. And we'll show a quick, like, minute long video to explain what that growth plan is going to look like. But the thing is, it's for everybody. So, it's not just to watch the replay. Uh, Because first of all, if you've been through this live stream, you've now realized, I need to watch this again, so it's for everybody. Uh, But at the same time, there's a bunch of other things in there too, which you'll see in a second. Um, Honestly, we call this a workshop. We're not great at naming things at Mission. If you're not from around Mission, you're like, wow, they're creative. We're not, clearly, uh, because we wanted to help people work on changing and so we call it a change workshop. And so the idea, though, is that this is not a change listening session. This is a change do some work <laughs> shop. And all of the work that we're going to give you this week, all this stuff, is so that you can not just hear it but start to internalize it, which means going over it a few times, which means seeing it from different angles, but then also, like, engaging with it. If it's up here, it's not going to take. Like, it's got to get like we said, to the heart. And so uh, a lot of these exercises and things will give you uh, blog posts, all those things will kind of get toward you uh, internalizing the stuff and applying it to your own situation, your own life, um, to actually start doing the work. And so um, let's go ahead and show this right now. It's just a quick minute-long video on uh, what that growth plan is going to look like and sort of how you're going to interact with what we send you each week. We want every single person to go through it. So um, we'll just show this to you for a second and get back to the rest of the logistics. So check this out. So once the live stream is done, you will all be sent a growth plan. So every single week for every session, you'll get a growth plan. And this is what it is. It's uh, using this software called Journey Studio. You'll create a free account down there for the first time you do it. Then you'll just log in each time. It'll keep you logged in from time to time. Hit Start Growth Plan. And then the great thing about this is we can have different goals that you are uh, trying to achieve and... You can even put in your own. I want to grow. Beautiful. So you hit let's start. And then every single week, you can let us know if you attended the first session. we love to know that you did just because... Uh, we love to keep track of that. Um, it's all anonymous. So we just start catching numbers and everything. You can watch the replay, whether or not you attended the live stream. And we've got a bunch of other things here for you that you can do week to week. Uh, all of it is going to be incredibly helpful. Most of it's going to be practical, getting you to do things, to internalize and work through the stuff that we've learned. Uh, and then also if you need to talk to anybody, you can always let us know. We'd love to process anything with you. And then once you're done, I'm finished. It's gonna be like you didn't do anything. It's like, well, too bad. I'm finished. And then you can let us know how we did, how it helped, and then let us know even how it impacted you. So that's growth plans. Uh, hey, real quick, I was oh, anxious watching hey. that video
1: because your the battery on that device was close to dying. I don't know if, hey, if you're aware of that living on the edge. Exactly. You know that we've totally talked about this very now candidly. Unbelievable. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, well, I was doing a lot on my phone. and there's Anyway, I don't have to... Yes, my
1: battery was low. Uh, One of my favorite things is sidetracking Tommy's thoughts. It's, uh, so, it's so fun to watch the train go off the rails. You were going to say that Ooh. Genesis is a whole process. Genesis is a, a whole process. Of um,
0: so Michael is not just a guy with good ideas. Uh, like you he said, he's been doing this for years and years and years. And it, what he's developed is really two main things. And the Change Workshop is something where like partnering together to to create a new way to uh, sort of create an on-ramp to this this stuff because really the two arms of Genesis is uh, relapse prevention counseling. So Michael and Kathy, his wife Kathy is better half, as Ruth said in the beginning, uh, they train counselors with a... T- Super impressive and long and detailed and challenging uh, training process. Uh, they train Genesis counselors and they say so certify them and everything. Uh, and that's for like individual one-on-one relapse prevention counseling. It's really amazing stuff. Uh, but then also they have this other thing called a change group, and that's kind of the Genesis process. It's twenty weeks long. Um, it, it's usually done in a group of about five people with a trained facilitator. It is. High commitment, high level of work, and high, high, high amount of change and life transformation it's an incredible uh, opportunity and what we're trying to do also by the time this change workshop is done once we've laid the foundation for everything um we'd like to create an off-ramp to change groups uh if that's the option that yeah so go don't
1: don't stress there's a lot of resources available the six weeks in some ways can be the tip of the iceberg for what you're jumping right. into and there will be plenty of next steps coming out of this i would add um man if, if listening to this content tonight you're sitting here going like ah If it exceeded your expectations or like maybe helped you go like, oh, this is going to be a good, like the next five weeks is really going to Like, I need to show up. There may be other people in your world that need to participate. So uh, invite them. Like, because it's on demand, you can invite someone in your world to jump in this with you uh, for next week, and they can catch up. They can just register uh, online, uh, missionantura.com slash change, and then uh, they can jump in at any time. So feel free to spread the word and invite more people. And then look for the email tomorrow uh, that'll have all the instructions in it um, and a link to go ahead and create the account yeah, and then,
0: at any point, so uh, even in there, we, we throw in like a, hey, if you need to talk to somebody, you want to process this with somebody, uh, we would love to set up a conversation to be able to talk through some of this stuff, um, so you can email at any point, whether it's a technical, logistical question, uh, or it's like, uh, this just brought this up, and I really need to talk to somebody because it's a big deal, uh, whatever it is on that scale, uh, we'd love to talk to you, so just email us at care at missionventura.com, that'd be the, the best way to get to uh, a conversation, uh, whether, again, it's administrative and technical or uh, a conversation that you want to have with someone. Yeah.
1: That's great. Well, hey guys, I am so stoked for the next five weeks, and so glad that you uh, chose to be here tonight. It is going to be an incredible journey together. Uh, we are we are not the experts. We're in this with you. We brought the expert in, which hey, is a genius move, I guess. On our part, that's how we roll. That's so great. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be an awesome journey together. So glad you're here. Thanks for being on tonight. We'll be sticking around in the chat for the next little bit. Uh, otherwise, look for the email tomorrow, and we'll see you next week.